0: What up, folks? <laughs> Another week, week two, week two installment yes, of the podcast, uh coming at you live. Uh quick check-in. How we how we doing in, in the corporate space? How we doing in the nonprofit space? How we doing?
1: Yeah, man. It's good, man. I'm good today. Uh I, I had a down moment where I had to get myself back together where I was struggling to get some work done, but I got my mind right. I uh, had my village get me back into the, in the game. Like, That's yo, right. put yourself together, man. What you talking about? Like, you're <laughs> yeah. tripping. And uh, once I got told by myself, I was like, shook it off, like Muhammad Ali.
2: That's good.
1: Twelfth round, came back out, and uh, you know, uh, really, really doing some good work. Um, had a great conversation with the CEO of uh, Tech Bridge. Um, Te- Tech Bridge girls uh this week and uh just excited man There's a lot of dope work going on in tech and stem uh uh on behalf of uh black folks brown folks indigenous folks so
0: that's dr harrison what's happening in the uh in the non-profit space
2: just you know trying to plug along <sighs> Feeling good, excited about we, um, some partnerships we have coming up with some schools, trying to do what's good to increase outcomes for little girls and young women. So it's good. Really trying to think differently about programming for our transitional grades. Like So looking differently at things for eighth graders going into ninth grade. And folks, twelfth uh, graders who are matriculating into college or career spaces, and trying to just make sure we have programming that's specific to those needs. So it's exciting. It's a good time to be uh, to be here, be alive, be with you, be in community. I'm excited. How about you, brother Ray? It's good to see your face. How you been?
0: You know, I'm you know I'm, I'm, I'm Delta lounged up, feeling revived. <laughs> you know, you know what, what what what's happening when you go in the airport and you don't have to be amongst the common folks. You know <laughs>
2: arrived.
1: I have arrived. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> me me and Heather sitting up in there with everybody in right. the germs, wiping yeah. down the seat. It
2: down. No, I, I mean, no,
0: it's, it's, it's germs in the lounge too, but shout out to the to, to the lounge heads. I think my man, uh my man Chris Stewart might be coming out with something uh soon, talking about lounges and whatnot. I'm gonna have to push him, but it'll be a good conversation. But well, uh, let, let's let's jump in here. Uh we got a a, a a a pretty live show tonight. Let's start off with the L Michelle uh section of the show. Uh what are we talking about tonight? We're talking about um no masks in schools. Uh folks is wilding. We're talking about the CRT call in hotline tonight. <laughs>
2: School we're gonna choice. Give we're gonna provide the number in the middle of the show. So we no have to. We have to. We have to.
0: It's school choice week, so of course we're gonna talk about uh school choice, uh paid consultancy. I'm gonna bring bring us up on that, uh critical friends. I'll lead that conversation and then elevators. Right, we always talk about sending the elevators down, but I got a story to kind of set us up to have a good conversation about that, and then lastly we'll end up with our hip hop top five. All right, so um. Let's, let's let's jump in here uh, and, and, I guess, talk about no masks in schools. Like, how do, how do you guys
1: feel about that? Rob, we'll start with you because
0: it's kind of kicking off in your state.
1: I mean, I told our 11-year-old, I was like, let me tell you something. I don't care what the law says. That governor don't pay no bills in the Simmons' house. That, that governor ain't going to take care of you if you get sick. That governor is not driving up here from Richmond to tend to your needs if something happens to you and you have a breakthrough infection and you're one of the kids that dies from from this. Like, I'm not burying my child because of politics, right? Like, whether you get the vaccine or not, you know, I'm vaccinated and boosted. And, like, if they got... If they selling that joint on the corner, I'm going to get three, four more of them joints because I'm going to take my chances with the vaccine versus being dead and passing it on to my kids. I'm sorry, right? Yeah. But like, as someone who lives in Virginia, I'm I'm making sure that our oldest is, is masked up when he goes to school. He he understands that. And uh, I was disappointed to see that, but I also got to shout out superintendents who by and large in the state of virginia were like man you tripping right and um and you know shout out to my former colleague in dcps jason cameras who was like man i ain't doing that right shout out to right here in fairfax county no we ain't doing that right and so (sighs) just disappointment right because you also need health care and health insurance if you have to go to the doctor to combat this or you need medication or whatever and If you ain't got it, you ain't getting it. So disappoints me as someone who lives in Virginia and uh, I'll leave it at that.
0: Yeah, all right, Uh, Ace, jump ahead. What were your thoughts?
2: Yeah, so, I mean, it disappoints me too. And it also reminds me of how out of touch folks are about like how little kids and how schools operate. And, And when we think about the younger students who aren't even eligible for vaccines, If what we know is that masks and hand washing help prevent the spread, then why would we want to promote not wearing masks, especially for vulnerable populations, right? I was looking at some numbers today, and I think there are 20 million people in the 20 million people who are not eligible for the vaccine because they are within that age range. And so we're talking about these are the young people who are the same ones who we want schools open for to come to school every day for lunches and for all of these services. And if the least we can do is provide them with masks and make sure that they're masked up when you go there, that seems simple. I think it also reminds me of, of how we have to address poor infrastructure in schools. Um, you know, I've seen um tweets about young people who are in different cities that are coming to school with masks on, but also having to open windows to keep ventilation going. And so, you know, we can't say no masks in schools, assuming that all of these schools are built with high quality air filters and, and enough space to, to socially distance and all of these other things that they need. You know, that's a small thing. It just seems like such a, such a selfish, um, inconsistent response. Um, and and a little unnecessary. Like, how did would that guy say, "Wear your mask." Like, wear your mask. It's a small thing.
0: Yeah. And so you know, my school being one of the newer schools with uh, help HEPA filtration that's similar to uh, what you find in a hospital, right? Nice. Uh, we're blessed in order to to have that in order to, in order because you know we, nobody could have foreseen uh, COVID nineteen and this impact. And so for us to have the ability to have that type of system for our kids, keeping them safe, uh, we're uh, among uh, the fortunate in order for us to be able to do that. Also, um, you know, it, it's not just a, a Virginia thing. This, this stuff is happening in Florida. Uh, there was a mandate that came out of Nass- Nassau County in which they, uh, they challenged uh, New York State. And, um, and so there was a verdict in which um, the mass mandate was reversed. Uh, it's in a state right now, uh, and it's going to be a legal battle in New York State. But um, I put out a tweet earlier today just exercising uh, school leaders and system leaders to exercise their common sense. Like right now is the time for you not to play politics. Right now is the time for you to step up for kids. That's right. right? And so you need to step up for kids regardless of whatever uh, opposition you may have. That's At right. the end of the day, I feel like this is my ticket into heaven if I'm saving some lives, right? And so, you know, that, that's, that's my stance on it. But, um, so H -H, I want to give you, I want to give you a shout out. Right. So, um, (laughs) this guy right here, uh, Jiggy Rican who is one of the parents at my school, uh, who torments me daily. Um, he's, he's, he, he, he listens to our podcast. And so he was like, you got your school leader right there. And so, uh, and so, I think we might have an opening coming up. If you're trying to jump back into school leadership, oh me? Yeah, he pitched oh for my you. God. He, he he called me, and we had a 45 minute conversation today, what? in which he pitched you. Yeah. He was like, "That's your
2: school leader right there. She'd be perfect for the school. Give her what she wants." Yeah. So. I'm flattered. I mean, you know, some of my former teachers, shout out if you're watching, they're always like, so when are you coming back? What are you gonna do? So, I I mean, I'm I'm honored. I I see myself as a a seed planter. Wait, wait, stop,
1: stop, (laughs) stop, stop.
2: I'm not planting no
1: seeds. The level of humility actually bothers me because you, sister, won twice, twice the family and community engagement like fancy award in the District of Columbia. This isn't like about simply academics. You understand how to support communities and families because you recognize communities and families are just as important as children. You dope, you one of the best school leaders to ever enter a building in DC. Okay, back to the regularly scheduled program, sis. I I, I I see my time. I see this yeah.
2: campaign is is taking is taking momentum. I'm uh, uh, I'm part of the campaign.
1: Back in I, need, <laughs> I need to have you here in DC for work, so like I, I can't. I, I'm not campaigning. I'm just saying, like you know, brilliance has to enter the space. But when brilliance enters with humility, I have to name that that makes the brilliance even doper. Oh, thank right? you.
2: And right. And so I just have to name that that's like Ray is like, listen, I'm trying hey, to get faster. Hey, you got Somebody else like I'm Harrisburg PA. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Let's hey, go.
0: Listen, hey, you want to get put on? I'll put you on. <laughs> that's the
2: elevators. That's later on. That's elevators.
0: Listen, listen, listen. It don't have to come, it don't have to be here. It could be anywhere, right? Um, so uh Segway uh is where we at? No, L. Michelle in these comments. Um. Oh man. Uh. Oh, CRT. Uh. Hotline. And so, Rob, I I'm, put, I'm putting it on you, because just like how you shouted her out and you gave you gave uh, uh Dr. H her credit, I got to give you some credit now, bro. You are heavily cited on your Google Scholar page, and like yeah. you are so a former tenured professor at Loyola yeah. University, right? Left tenure because wasn't with the bullshit, right? And, nice. so, and so uh, CRT was in your dissertation. So I need you to like properly lay out for these folks what critical race theory is and why it's not in K-12. And then we can have a conversation about this hotline.
1: Oh, boy. So, I mean, this whole thing with CRT is baffling, number one, right? Just because I don't get it. But like as a interdisciplinary both intellectual and social movement, CRT simply does an examination of the intersection between race and the law to look at ways in which decisions uh, and laws disproportionately impact people of color, right? And you can apply the same application in education as the great Gloria latson and Billings and William Tate so eloquently articul- articulated in their work. Um, and William Tate is actually the first black man to ever be president of an SEC university. He's at LSU. Um, so, gotta shout him out. I um, ain't never met the brother, but his work is phenomenal, right? And so, it's it's a theoretical framework to do an analysis of policy, right? It's not even something that's taught in undergrad for the most part. It's generally not taught in master's programs. Quite frankly, as a separate discipline, it's not even taught in every doctoral program, right? And so I just think that this is a trope for other things. And we have to be careful about taking the bait because it's a distraction and it's a distraction from thinking about history with a critical lens, right? And a perspective that allows us to understand nuance, right? And the, the, the ways in which nuance impacts our history. But I also have always said to people in the United States of America, I can't speak for other places and this isn't universally true of every person in the United States. I don't want people to die. Like, oh my God, you're saying this about all Americans. That's not what I'm saying. There are far too many people in the United States that don't wanna deal with the nuance of history, race, gender, gender identity, like any of this stuff, right? And I just, I just think that it's sad that we don't wanna deal with nuance. And, and for me, as someone who is a critical race theorist has used the theoretical framework on a regular basis I actually have been so surprised when all of this jumped off, because I was like, well, where they teach that at? (laughs) I ain't ain't never seen anybody teaching critical race theory in K-12. Do I think that there are certain elements of CRT in terms of narrative storytelling, critical storytelling in particular, that are germane to what happens in schools? Eh, Sure, I could make an argument that Snowy Day is critical race theory because it's narrative change. It changes the way in which we think about black boys in in literature, right? But Ezra Jack Keats didn't write it with CRT in mind. He just wrote it because he wanted to tell the story, just a general story about black boys, um, similar to a, a book like Bud Not Buddy. That it, I mean, you know, generally speaking, Bud Not Buddy could happen to any kid, right? There are nuances to it, obviously. So that's my take on it. And, and I, I just find it to be really problematic um and if you look at what's going on on youtube and other places most people if you ask a lot of these folks they don't even know what critical race theory is um and you know i just kind of sit and chuckle like oh all right well this is wild and interesting so (laughs) it's amusing to me like i mean i've had multiple people ask me um either in media whatever, just for my take. And generally, I don't even talk this long about it. I'm just like, I mean, what do you want me to say? Like, it's not true. So, I mean, I don't have none of that. Like, critical race theory isn't being taught in K-12 schools. Are we teaching about history from a balanced perspective? No. Have we ever done that? No. That's the issue. Like, you know, it's just a trope. Like, I, I just don't, I, I laugh about it, man, but I mean, I'm not one of them cats who get mad, like, all right, that's cool, dude, okay. you know, shout out okay. to Adrian Dixon, because, you know, when I talk to her about it and listen to her talk about it, she goes in for like a couple of hours. Of course. You know, because she's, 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 she's like, I mean, I cited her stuff when I was writing my dissertation, you know what I mean? Yes. And yes. so, I mean, we need to have her on the show to talk about CRT.
0: Yes. You know she she she'll, she'll pull up. You know that. Oh, you All know right. she'll pull up. Doctor H, what's up with this hotline?
2: <laughs> yeah, so I, I agree with with Doc, and I think we also have to be careful not to be baited and into language that that becomes coded, um, and so a lot of times when we hear people say critical race theory, they say that, but they're not referring to CRT. They're really talking about elevating Black and Brown stories in schools, no matter what that is. And so if if this hotline is supposed to say, well, I'm a parent, I saw a homework assignment where the child had to research somebody from an Indigenous place or a Black person's story. Now I'm going to call this number because they're teaching critical race theory. I think we have to be careful that that doesn't become cold. for you're teaching something that i don't think i want my kid to know Uh, it also makes me think about this whole conversation about this rule in florida that this they're trying to come up with that you like can't have conversations that cause white guilt or make people feel guilty or uncomfortable or unsafe and it's like well I, i appreciate that but where's the safety and the comfort for people who are often unsafe in school spaces who are police as they walk down the hallway because their pants, they don't have their belt on, who are are are, are looked at and, and treated and dismissed and silenced all the time. Like, when do they get to say, I don't wanna feel guilty and I don't wanna feel unsafe. Or, I don't wanna feel like the only time I see people that look like me in books, it's, it's like, they're enslaved Africans, Harriet Tubman, Rosa Parks, Dr. King, and that's it. Like, are these the only safe stories that we can tell? And that to me is the reason why we need conversations about what is in our curriculum. We need more of us writing. We need more of us doing PD. We need more um, more of us as scholars, more of us doing research because otherwise we don't have anything to stand on. And the folks who are having these conversations are so out of touch with what's actually happening in classrooms, then they can use these words as though they are something that makes sense. I use critical race theory in my dissertation because I always approached it as a a lens or a framework to understand the multiple identities and the role that institutions play when you have those things. So my research was on adolescent Black girls. So I had to look at their identities as girls, as young people, and as Black, all at the same time. They can't just be 12 without their race. They can't just be Black and 12. They were Black and 12 and girls, all at the same time. And the intersection of those identities mean that systems are going to see them and treat them in a different kind of way. This is why we look at critical race theory as a framework of analysis, not as a set of readings or a set of practices, but as a framework of critique and analysis, thinking specifically about the roles institutions play in the experiences of individuals. Oh. And so, um, yeah that that's my take on it we gotta not we gotta listen and hear what they're actually trying to say and make strong arguments about the things that we know are right and wrong and call them out and say you don't this is not about you feeling safe this is about you minimizing the voice of black and brown students in schools those are two different things
0: yeah and so my dissertation it once had critical race theory in it but it no longer has critical race theory in it and now has uh, Joyce Epstein's uh, six types of parent involvement is my theoretical framework. But I missed the days in which I had critical race theory as my theoretical framework. Um, but to your point, though, uh, Dr. Harrison, uh, with regards to the lack of scholarship uh, that exists amongst uh, black folks, Um, you know, my, my focus is, is on, uh, black school leaders in urban charter schools. And as I go into, uh, these indexes and journals and try to find articles on black school leaders, limited to none with regards to an exact focus on black school leaders in urban charter schools. Now, a wide array of, of, of leadership articles on black women in school leadership, uh, black men in teaching but very limited in terms of uh, Black males and leadership. And so, perfect segue to go into uh, this uh, school choice conversation, right? And so, uh, everybody on this panel, uh, in some uh, shape or fashion, no, not everybody, I'm sorry. Uh, Ms. Harrison, uh, Dr. Harrison, you have never been in a charter school, correct? Oh, I
2: have. I, I, oh! I've been in a charter school. I was a oh! talented teacher at Kip West Philadelphia Prep there it is 59th in baltimore what's yes. up again? hard yes. hard work yes
0: hard work. so everybody has had the opportunity to engage with scholars in the Way charter hard work space. nice in the in the charter
1: school
0: the charter school space uh and so uh dr h we'll start with you uh what what's what's so important about school choice school choice week
2: so I have always been a supporter of school choice. I think that you, anybody, would want as many choices as they could possibly have for their young person. They should, parents and families know their children better than anybody else. And schools have a responsibility, if you're going to require every kid to go to school at age five, depending on where you are, to be able to meet the diverse needs of those young people. And that's not me just saying it because it's flowery language. That's me saying it because I genuinely believe that that's what's right for kids. My challenge around school choice is the complexities, or as Doc likes to say, the nuances around enrollment, lottery, selection, opportunity, access, young people who don't have enough seats at particular schools, staffing and budgets and money that looks very different around particular schools and others, and if that really is fair. And I wanna see choice be exactly what it is that you have equal opportunity to choose. And it doesn't feel fair when school choice feels like you're not giving me any choices. Like if you're giving me a choice between kicking me or punching me, do I really have a choice? Like mm, they both aren't gonna be that good. And so I think that we need to be thinking about the quality of all schools and having a commitment that every single building, regardless of what neighborhood it is, what kind of school makeup it is, is offering responsible, high quality, creative, relevant instruction for all young people, regardless of where they are. People shouldn't feel like they're against a rock and a hard place, and that the only choice they have is outside of their public schools because they have a history of failing.
0: Yeah, uh, Dr. Simmons, sir.
1: I mean, as I, I've always said to people, as black people, we, in the black community, we've utilized school choice But it's in some ways, the conversation has been hijacked where people conflate school choice with school voucher programs, right? And school voucher programs uh, are an element of some school choice laws and policies in certain communities. I am not a voucher person. Like, I want to be clear, right? Like, that's not what I'm suggesting. But if you look at, there's a great book about Black kids going to Catholic schools, right, between about 1960 and the 90s, one of the leading educators in many urban communities of Black children was Catholic schools, right? And in some ways, Catholic schools had a legacy of desegregating at a much faster rate than the traditional public schools as a result of Brown v. Board of Ed right? Now that's not universally true, right? But in Philly, there's a huge segment of black kids that went to Catholic schools in Philly, DC, Detroit, right? Like it just, it just is, right? And I I think that's a form of school choice. Parents chose for whatever reason to send their kids there. Um, But I also think that having worked in both spaces that, um, you know, it, We've also forgotten the history of why charter schools were created, right? In terms of being, they were never designed to be apart, separate and apart from the traditional public school system. That's actually not how they were started in the state of Minnesota. It was not their intention. Um, and, you know, and I think that I also think about school choice, not from a binary, because I think it's a false binary of public school districts and charters, but also think about in a place like Metro Detroit, where school choice means you can go from Detroit to Oak Park in a traditional public school because you have choice to go across city lines if you, you know, have transportation and all those things. Um, and I think, you know, there's school choice here in Fairfax County, where depending on the situation, you know, you can go to a school that's not in your neighborhood. Um, but I also think school choice in many communities where it becomes problematic is the domain of the privilege. Because oftentimes they don't provide transportation to young people, and that's where it becomes really problematic. Um so I, I don't I don't have a problem with school choice and <clears> have <throat> never really understood the the heated nature of the debate, the debate. Um, but I'm certainly interested, uh Professor Ankrum, in your take on this. Uh, because you you usually have the most heated opinion on uh school choice and uh i always find your take on this to, to be fascinating and informative um as a current uh charter school leader yes sir and so so it's funny
0: uh i had a conversation with one of my one of my school uh one, uh, one of our teachers today who has uh four kids um three of her kids are enrolled in our charter in our school charter school. Mm-hmm. and then uh she has one kid that goes to the high school in her district right mm-hmm. And she explained it eloquently, right? She was like, "Hey, listen, I choose uh the district school for my for my son because that's the best fit for him. I choose the charter schools for the my other three kids because that is the best choice for them, right and so you know she highlights the fact that having the ability to have that school choice benefits her kids right and so that that prompts me to to go into my spill with regards to Parents are the experts of their kids, right? Um, Parents are the first teachers of their children, right? And so parents turn their kids over to school teachers and to schools and to school leaders. But that parent is tapped in and knows how to motivate their child. That parent knows what what things in addition to uh, their kid is going to need. Right. And so it needs to be a healthy school partnership with parents that allows parents to do what they need to do. That's in the best interest of their child. What you'll see is you'll see a lot of these systems that miscalculate funds based off of poor per per pupil allotment. And it's always looked at or viewed through the lens of if you go to another school, you're taking money away. It's not your money. First and foremost. Right. That money is allocated to the child and it should follow the child wherever the parent decides that they want to put their kid. Right. At the end of the day, we need to start respecting these parents and respecting their rights to put their kids wherever they see fit. That's going to be in the best interest of that child. When I think about charter schools and I think about school choice, I think about it as being healthy competition. I don't want any monopolies. Right. Imagine if you only had AT&T. You have shitty cell phone service, and you would hit <laughs> the world, right um, and so and so I, that that's how I look at schools. It's like you have to have healthy competition because if I have healthy competition, then it's gonna keep other things honest, right It's gonna keep it's gonna it's gonna allow me to to be able to have a point of reference in a comparison analysis to be able to say, this did this for my child. This didn't do this for my child. And so when I have future kids or I'm able to have conversations with parents about where they should send their kids, I now have a point of reference to be able to say this is probably going to suit the needs of your kid based off of my lived experiences. It's like some of these folks want to take our lived experiences away. You get folks that get these PhDs and that are nowhere near school adjacent that wanna punch down and say, oh, you should have your kid in a traditional public school because the funding is there and that's the only way that it's gonna work if all of the money goes into traditional public schools. Well, I don't wanna experiment with my child. It's not like generations of our folks haven't already lived that experience, right? And so that you create these systems and these pathways to prison uh, in these schools, because shout out David Hardy. David Hardy is the founder of a uh, boys' Latin um, charter school in, in Philadelphia, and he said today he was like, "In order to address the uh, the, the the prison to uh, the school to prison pipeline, you have to address it where it starts. It starts in the schools, right? You can't address it when they get to prison. Hmm. You got to address it when it gets. You got to address it where it starts, right? And the only way that we could do that." Is by affording parents choices, expanding choices because right now we don't even have enough choices. You got these these unionists that are against seven percent of schools. Well, what about the other, the the other uh, eighty five to to ninety percent of schools that are shit for black people? Where's on the fire for them? I don't understand. Y'all got to help me out. Let's talk about it.
1: Oh, well, first of all, you already know. I'll I'll. I... There's nuance to this union conversation, right? <laughs> Whenever you and Stewart go into this union thing, y'all already know I'm always like,
0: eh,
1: I'm pro-union.
0: I'm pro-union for the airlines.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, let, let, let's take a step back, right? right? Growing up in Detroit, I'm not sure that there would be a black middle-class in Detroit in the way that it exists now without the auto workers union, Mm -hmm. right? So I wanna be clear that I think there's nuance to the union conversation and it's not like a union's bad, union's good. It's like, it depends, right? There's nuance. So I think that uh, for me, I'm with you when it comes to my own children, right? Which is, I evolved once I had kids in, in terms of my, because I used to be hardcore, like charters, like, what? nah, I'm good on that. It's all about the union. But then when I had kids, I was like, hmm, I mean, if the school up the street ain't no good, like, I'm gonna figure out the system so I can get them into a better school, because... You know, we ain't no silver spoon up in this piece. So like,
2: right. But know. I don't have kids and I just feel like I don't have kids, but I want every little kid I see to be on their way to and from school and to have a great experience no matter where they are. So it just took me I, choice is about creating options so that folks can get what feels good and is what's best for mm. them and for their children, for their experiences. Mm. I I just think if we are, it gets back to the conversation we had the last week about collective responsibility and where the village is. Hmm. If we want to have collective responsibility, we want every single kid to do well. I don't care if you got a green shirt on because you go to Hart or a yellow shirt on because you go to Kelly Miller. I want you to have a good, safe experience today. I want you to go and feel loved and challenge and seen and support and encouraged. And I want you to know that you have options and opportunities and things that you can do and not feel like, well, I gotta go here. This is all I have. That defeated like hope. That is a, a sense of like, this is all we get. That, that we see planted early on that makes people think that, well, what's the point? I don't even have a choice. Nobody's listening to what I say. I really want to play soccer and we don't have a field, so I can't invest in my dreams and play soccer like that's crazy. We need more opportunities for all of our young people. And, I don't, and we get so busy fighting with one another, not us, but folks get so busy fighting about it instead of f- thinking about like, how would you not want what's best for kids, whether they're yours or not? That just seems crazy. If you're going to be in this business, this is all young people. Every single one of them, the ones that are perfect and the ones that are imperfect, we still have the responsibility as educators to provide them and their families with choices so that they can be successful.
1: So I'm gonna say something that's you really sitting, unpopular. You here wondering why people want you to come and run schools again. <laughs> so I'm gonna say something, Ray, on this that's really un- I don't know if it's unpopular, but it intersects with our understanding of race. Right. I have found and again, this is not an indictment of everyone. I have found that a white neoliberal education position on this usually is like strongly about kids going to public school. And I, and I don't mean neoliberal in this like ed reform way. I'm just thinking about this neoliberal like I'm all for the people and social justice. Right. And they're willing to experiment with our children going to schools that aren't very good. And I always wonder, and I say to people, and I won't say no names, but there's a guy at Wayne State University who always does this in Detroit. And he's come at me multiple times over the years. And he'll say, well, you were raised in Detroit and blah, blah, blah. You were a teacher in the public schools and yet your school choice. And I'm always like, Yeah, because I also grew up in a neighborhood where if I was still living there, I would choose not to send my child to the school up the street. You don't have to make that choice for your baby because you live in Royal Oak in Michigan, right? And so I just think that there's this nuance. And again, it's not all white neoliberals. I don't want that to be what people hear me saying. I just think there's this hint of like neoliberal self-righteousness that Mm. oftentimes gets in the way of people dealing with nuance dealing with the different ways that people experience america so i just think that it's important yeah my
0: bad (laughs) hey that's cointel pro anytime you're about to (laughs) Hey, yo, anytime you something you want to say something spicy about white neoliberals, they come in and they snatch up the core. Cool.
2: Look,
1: I, I ain't trying to be rude. I'm just saying. Like, I, I just did you say? Did you say what you had to say? Yeah, I say what I had to say.
0: Ah, oh, I missed it. Ah, oh. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. All right, back to this agenda. Um, where are we at? Uh, oh, so. Um, so we talked school choice. Uh let's this talk paid. Picture,
2: by the way. That's a lovely photograph, by the way. Right?
0: thank you. I appreciate you, sis. Quite nice. Um uh, <laughs> paid consultancy, right? And so I see this a lot, but we don't really call it out. So you'll have folks that'll have these budgets, right? And they'll have the ability to hire you as a consultant. But because they know you personally, or because they know someone that may know you personally, or they may have like a, a you know a, a connection to you, they'll reach out to you, tap you for your expertise, but won't pay you for your expertise, right? And then because they feel like they have that in, they will continuously do this. And us being really good people, kind, compassionate, right? We'll continue to fuel these conversations without stopping them in their tracks and saying, look, either you're going to hire me as a consultant or you're not, right? And so, first off, why do we do that? Why do we allow ourselves to be taken advantage multiple occasions? Why do we do this?
1: I think as we, at least for me, I I think it's not, it's until recently, I had a hard time talking to people about money and like saying to somebody, well, I hear you, but I mean, you know, like you taking up my time when I could be doing something else. Um, And I will say, like, for me, if it's once or twice and one of my people call me and they're like, hey, I need to rap at you about X, Y, and Z, I just do it because... I don't know, like somebody, I don't know, like I would hope somebody would do it for me from time to time, like, hey, need your opinion on X, Y, and Z. Um, where I have seen that uh, I've ignored people is when I feel like uh, it's the equivalent of having a, a quarter-time job where you're asking me to put in 10, 15 a month and we're not talking any compensation, Um and and I find it difficult for me personally because it's hard for me to have difficult conversations with friends about money. Sometimes, like I've had moments where I'll be like, "All right, I got the, I got the first round of drinks at the game, and don't nobody get a second round." <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, "So, I mean, we said we was gonna drink." I told y'all I had the first round. Y'all said y'all got the next one. And don't nobody pull up because all y'all is expensive and drinking $20 <laughs> shots of Patron. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I came out a bill or two for the crew and took one for the team. Y'all ain't going to do the same. <laughs> and it's difficult for me to say, like, so ain't nobody getting this round of drinks. Y'all trifled. I'm out.
2: Yeah, that's that was hard. easily said. You did it, you said it really well, right? Yeah, there. but it's
0: hard. That, that's not, no, no, that's not hard at all. That's, that's, no, 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 sir. Hard, uh, doc, 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 jump in here.
2: So here's, here's what I think. Um, and, and so shout out to Doc, because one of the first paid opportunities I ever had to speak was one that he uh, encouraged me to do. And he's like, yo, this is your time you sharp, you, I know that you're gonna drop knowledge. And so it's not a lot, but it's a little honorarium and I wanna let you know, I appreciate your time. And I had never been asked that before. I had been asked to speak on panels and then go show up. And you know, I, I guess my point is, it's also about experience because once that happened, it reminded me like, wait, you know what, maybe I should be thinking more specifically about areas that I, that I can speak on with expertise and and if i'm speaking on it with expertise and what you're going to say is like you're going to take what i've said to influence decisions you make to influence pd that you give to to hopefully shift the practices that are in your building then this should be like a paid service this isn't us just chit-chatting about things that we like this is you inviting me with an audience and an intent and a purpose and so i'll say you know I didn't, it didn't dawn on me. It didn't feel like something I was supposed to ask for. And I think we also have these, these networks that we believe are networks Mm. and forget that they are also should be opportunities for you to both grow And to hold you accountable, I know we'll talk about critical friends in a bit, but, you know, I I didn't even think that it was something I should have been asking for until it was brought to my attention. And now it's something that I consider. And so knowing that allows me to have more discretion when people ask me if I want to speak for something. Do I have time? I have to actually Consider it now um, and weigh the cost and the benefit of what it's going to take for me to put into it. The other thing about us, too, and most folks, is we're high quality, right? We're not coming with no over data, no over slides. We're not going to be late to show up. And so there's a level of professionalism and a quality of service that we are providing because that's who we are and how we're built that I think we should be compensated effectively um, for those services. But I wouldn't have thought that until Doc offered it. So thanks, Doc.
0: So, I want to talk about that honorarium that you received because I think that I gave the, the a similar amount of time and received no honorarium. <laughs> and it was just like off the homeboy strength. which I which I'm cool with because you know what I'm saying? I, I pose posed a lot of questions to this guy as well, so I'm all right with not being compensated. in the bank, but no moving forward. You don't pay ray, you don't get ray. And so that has largely been my stance with regards to like my professional appearances and all of these other things, right? Like I'm out here, like people know me, you know. And so now the price done went up. There is no more free consultations, free consultancies or anything like that. Nah, you gotta pay. You gotta, you you paying the other folks. So why are you not why are you not willing to pay me? You 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 willing other folks <laughs> to come in and, and give you uh give you a bad advice? Right, Shit, you can pay me to give you bad advice. <laughs> if, that, <laughs> if, if that's what it's about, I mean, hey, you know. But um, but definitely we have to we we have to know our worth, right? And we have to be yeah. willing to uh, go out there in order to defend the fact that's that right. we're worth something, right? That's right. So yeah, and yeah. so, um, great segue into this elevator down thing. I'm putting the screen on me because I need it, right? Cause I'm about to go to hell, and but on. like in a quiet manner, right? Not loud and obnoxious, like Stephen A. Smith, but like quiet, <laughs> right? Okay. And so, a recent situation presented itself. Right, I had a friend who uh, who is adjacent to uh, some money in, in and in, in a pretty high power organization who wanted me to be a, a connector to another friend who works in. A school system right mm-hmm. was trying to give this person some money right so i initially emailed the person i guess it was an old email or whatever and um you know the response was not a thank you for making this connection response it was um why are you emailing me at this address response right so i immediately clutched my pearls. like wait i'm trying to look out for you in the job that you're doing By connecting you with someone that's going to provide you with resources for the kids in your school system, and you're worried about an email address that the information that was sent to you and the connection was sent to you. Secondly, second part is that if I know you personally, there's no way in hell you pining me off to your admin assistant. Because if you pining me off to your admin assistant, then that means that I don't know you as well as I thought I knew you. And so, therefore, I can immediately cut you off and you cannot be in my friend circle. Because anybody that I care about, anybody that I've ever broke bread with, I'm not putting you in contact with my admin assistant. I'm going to talk to you directly because that is a show and a sign of respect, respect that I have for you and respect that hopefully you have for me. That's right. And so, anytime you step out of that respect zone and you're not showing the proper respect to somebody that I introduce you to because... If you know me, off my strength, if I introduce you to somebody, it's going to be somebody that's a power player, and somebody that can help you in your position. I'm not going to just bring any person to you with regards to, like, introducing you. Like, I just don't do that. That's not how I move. And if you know me, you know that, right? And so for y'all, I guess my question is, when we talk about sending this elevator back down, I know some people that are really blackety-black when the elevator is on the ground floor. But then once that elevator... Mm. Is the penthouse these folks change and nobody ever calls them out on the fact that they change right me immediately I cut your ass off no longer in my friend circle i don't want i don't want that energy around me we can't breathe the same air you go and you sip on your expensive oxygen and i'll 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 stay and i'll and, and, and i'll chill right i'm good you can have your 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 harvard oxygen I'm good with that. Heart right? with oxygen. <laughs> uh, yeah, you have your heart with oxygen. Yeah, I'll have my state school oxygen and be just as healthy, right? Uh, but I feel like we need to call people out on this, and I wanted to get y'all's thoughts on how y'all felt.
1: This is interesting because um for me, I've always found it to be important to send the elevator back down because um I don't know any other way to be because of how I was raised, what I saw mm-hmm. from my circle. And if anybody in my circle is like, hey, I need to connect to do X, Y, and Z. If I got it, it's yours. Right. And I just think that's what the ancestors call us to do. And I, I just think for whatever reason, sometimes people forget Um And, um, I've never been able to figure that out and I'll admit it used to, I used to try to spend a lot of time trying to figure it out, getting annoyed with it, but like, I always try to remember my end goal, right? If I am in my current role, trying to support a community. And like, I get to run around. Like, I was in a conversation with somebody the other day, and they were like, Well, this and that. And I was like, Look, okay, like, I'm working on this national RFP for STEM. I'm just trying to talk to you because, you know, like, we're not giving you all the money, but like, there's a way that we can collaborate because I think you do good work. And I just, I just find it to be, such a problem but i also don't think as in particular for black people i don't think we've mastered how to help people i know i'll speak for myself i have not mastered how to help people send the elevator back down because i'll admit like i pride myself because i'm the son of alma simmons and grandson of henrietta wyden of sending that elevator back down because I saw my grandmother sit on the porch in our neighborhood and send the elevator back down. We didn't have a lot, but we certainly had a little bit more than some other people in our neighborhood and whether it was a, a basket of rolls, whether it was, you know, in Michigan you get 10 cents for the bottles if it was like, look, I got 20 bottles, you know, even as a kid I would say to the homies like, well, my granny is like, look, you got 10, I got 10 like I mean, let's, you know, we both got a dollar. So we we both ain't broke. So like, you know, so I, I think it's important. Um, it saddens me when it doesn't happen. Um, but yet people want to tap into your network. Can you connect me to so-and-so? Like, yeah, but like, I just reached out to you two weeks ago for a plug and just like your opinion. And like, you ain't saying nothing.
2: Yeah, well, you know me. I'm I'm always like trying to figure out. So, what what's the motivation behind that, right? Like, so why would what are the things that we're getting away from somebody in the elevator back down? Maybe they're like managing their own insecurity, and they have to show up in a whole different way. And mm-hmm. they know if I bring my peoples in there, they're gonna call me out because in this other space, I have to be this other thing, right? Maybe mm-hmm. it is about the way that they're modeling. Maybe they never saw them anybody be bring the elevator back down for them. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe the other thing is that people just, people are sometimes so um, bizarre in the way that they see themselves and the way that they think others see them Mm -hmm. that maybe people just don't even know what to, how to do that, right? They don't even know how to have a conversation without somebody assuming that if I send the elevator back down for them, maybe they don't think I'm good enough. Or maybe they think that, But I think that there's something about that, I think that it's cultural. And so Mm -hmm. while we have this collective responsibility, there also is this way that I see other folks take care of and intentionally put their people on for the betterment of their own orgs that I don't think we always do. And so, you know, I don't, Mm -hmm. I'm great. I, I sit in the elevator back down. I feel like I'm called to do it. That's what I'm supposed to do. I model that. I do that for others. I'm grateful when people do it for me. But but maybe we maybe another question that we can think about, or maybe people can like drop in the chat. Like, what are the things that get in the way? Like, why wouldn't you? <laughs> why why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you send the elevator back down? What's getting in the way?
0: I think you pointed it out. Yeah, you know, we got some haters that are, are in, in the right. with the with the Harvard air, uh, and, and and I think that you know you kind of hit the you kind of hit the nail on the head when uh, when you were like you know people you know people that. familiar with you are going to call you out in those spaces and not going to allow you to show up how you want to show up or how how you become comfortable in those spaces with showing up especially Mm -hmm. if you're not showing up as your authentic self you're showing up as this person that's like this made up this made up iteration of what you really are you really are in the community so how sad right
2: how sad that must be to not be able to show up as your authentic self and then yes. to not even include other people because for fear that someone would sniff you out what a shame yeah. what
0: is that cucumber lemon what's happening up there
2: this is just a little lemon water but i do be on that cucumber lemon you know keep it fresh yeah. keep it it's fresh bougie. That's, oh, that's
0: pooch, man bougie
2: bougie lounge. Stop playing <laughs> <laughs> hey and they be having a cucumber infused water That's how you
0: knew what it was, see? That's how you knew, because you... Cucumber, watermelon, and... Yeah, that's All right. So, last thing we're talking about tonight, and this is going to be pretty spicy, right? So, I want to set this up real nice, right? So, we're going to talk about who's your top five in hip-hop? And I don't know if y'all want to get into the whole uh, rap versus hip-hop. I don't really feel like doing that, because we don't have enough time. And so... I say we 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 name one and we go through a cycle of naming one and then uh pick one to kind of like well, this is my top person or this is whatever and this and here's why I give an explanation
2: Can we define top?
0: As, top as in like if you have a top, top 5 Top like your
2: favorite then, like
0: heavy rotation. one that has had the the one that has had the best the, the, the most impact on I guess who you are I don't know. Okay. All right. All right. That's cool. We are good? I got it. Yeah. All right, sweet. If you're in the comments, let us know who your top person is in the comments. Let us know why that person is your top <laughs> person, right? And let's 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 kick it off like this. So so uh so Doc, we we start we're starting with you, bro. Uh, first up, who you got?
1: Biggie. Biggie. It was all a dream. I used to read Word Up magazine. Biggie had the dopest quote. I was telling uh uh Doctor Harrison this on Saturday when we were rapping about this project. Uh, that I was working on and I was seeking her uh, advice like to make sure I wasn't thinking about it and I was giving her feedback. She got invited to write a book chapter, dog. Yeah. I'm gonna put her out there like that. Like that's how brilliant she is, man. She anyway. (laughs) I'm gonna come back to that. And I was saying to her like one of my inspirations for doing research on black men and boys is Biggie's statement around stereotypes of a black male misunderstood and it's still all good. One of the most profound analyses of black male life in America. He had a PhD from bed Brooklyn. Yeah, I see. Yeah,
0: the Biggie community, community, community PhD. That's what I'm talking about, Doctor what
2: H. Yeah. What's up? So I'm gonna go with Rakim um, for lots of Ooh. reasons. As Ooh. a young person, um, I love music, and I I'm all I learned through listening. So I would, you know, I was a fiend. Before I became a teen, and the way he was able to use I'm gonna go with. Him. I know we run out of time, but I'm gonna go with him. And I, it just, there was something so powerful, um, and and it was it was at ease. It was like he mm. was just having a conversation. Mm.
0: Uh, yeah.
2: And I just I hearted him. So that's he's he's my he's in my top five. Rock in. Yeah. Write it down. That's-
0: all right. Bam. So my well, uh, one of the persons in my top, one of the people in my top five, we're gonna go with KRS one. Black cop, a black cop, black cop. Okay. So, okay. so when I think about just like <laughs> teachers, right? And folks that use hip hop uh education to teach, there is no uh greater MC uh to, to that to that body of work than KRS one, right? Uh I learned so much from him in terms of listening to um, just how he approaches the science of of rhyming right and so krs1 is definitely in my
1: top five and so rob we'll go to you gene gray who gene gray she's a dope female MC out of new york for those who are real hip-hop heads they know gene gray Jean gray is a older version of remy ma mm. huh. And so okay. I always tell people, you you want to know, like real MCs who tell stories in New York City hip hop scene, mm-hmm. is Jean Grey.
0: Okay, I appreciate that diversity. Oh, uh, Doctor H.
2: Yeah, so I'm also going to. I'm looking at my little list and my notes. Um, I'm going to go with Black Thought. Um, mm. Mm. You know, again, I'm into words. I'm into like language, and I just the the way that he is able to create a story, and there's a there's a powerfulness to it that's very, and it's like so much. It's like entitlement. Like I know that I'm what I'm saying is everything. So I'm I'm gonna go with Black Thought, um, part of yeah. the Roots Crew. I that's
0: appreciate not that. that. Hey, listen, hey, listen. I think Black Thought is a is a very underrated MC, and I'm glad that he made uh, somebody's top five, just not mine. All right. <laughs> <laughs> maybe top ten, maybe top fifteen. So, uh, my I guess my second my second is going to be Lil Wayne, right? And the reason why it's going to be Lil Wayne is because I'm into I'm into uh. Folks that kind of mend generations, right? And so if you look at what Lil Wayne has been able to do, uh, he has taken the influences of a Jay-Z and rappers like that, and then he has influenced a generation of new rappers, right? And so when you see these new rappers that are coming out, If you ask them, like, who's your favorite rapper, who'd you, like, pattern your rhyme scheme from, and, like, all these other things, they talk about Lil Wayne. Lil Wayne is a a genius when it it comes down to that. He's made some really good music and has an extensive body of work. And um, Southern MCs are underrepresented. And so to have someone like Lil Wayne in your top five, it just makes sense. And so, uh, uh, Doc, we'll go back to you, sir.
1: Since you're gonna go to your your roots in uh, uh, the South, um, I'm gonna stick with uh, the South as a since I was born in Atlanta, but I am gonna circle back to Detroit because y'all know it's coming. Um, <laughs> y'all know it's coming. Uh, I'm gonna go. I can't choose one. I have to go with the group. Outcast. Oh
0: yeah, okay. Because
1: the cast was like eclectic, and um. They, they just spoke to me, you know, with in ways that I just was like, "Yo, this is okay. this is the deal." So I got outcast.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, and so, fo- folks, if you're if you're wondering what we're talking about right now, we're talking about hip hop top fives right now, and uh, Doctor H is coming in with her number three.
2: Yeah. So I'm a um, I'm gonna go ahead and put Jay Z there, um, similar to. A lot of what we're saying about how they just kind of shifted. I, I think music is a mood, and I can't listen to mm. certain Jay Z songs and not be instantly transported to like '98. Um, I, I mean, I, I I'm gonna say Jay Z. He is is, I think what he's been able to do and how he's been able to transition into other places and still and every day seeming to go more authentic into mm. who he believes he is and the purpose he believes yeah. he's going to do. Um I'm a I'ma say him. Um,
0: yeah. So so I, I and listen, I appreciate that choice, right? Uh I'm not necessarily not <laughs> I'm I'm not necessarily a Jay Z head. Uh uh I don't really like his approach to philanthropy and like and think oh. and and, and- and those sorts in social justice and those sorts of things. Yeah, I'm just but I'm I'm saying all that stuff plays into, into my head. But what I will say is this uh someone uh his predecessor or the person that he stole his rhymes scheme from does not get enough credit. And so in order to honor that person, I'm going to put him in my top five, uh uh Big Daddy Kane. Right? I wouldn't take so, that one. And so Kane is a lyricist, right? Very mm-hmm. underrated for what he he did uh, it, during his span. And even if you, like, YouTube video him now, he's still better than probably 95% of folks rapping right now, <laughs> which is kind of ironic. So uh, in my top five, we're going with uh, BDK. And so that's two 80s rappers that I have in my top five. So we're going 80s, 90s, and then maybe we'll... No, we're going to stay in the uh, sir,
1: so I'm gonna I'm gonna give y'all I'm gonna do a double tap for my city because uh, people dismiss Detroit in our in our in our hip hop scene, and um, I'm gonna go with Slum Village as as a group, uh, not as a, individuals uh, because Slum Village just goes uh, together, right? And so I, I have to put Slum Village in there, and uh, you know uh, because Slum Village is just like I mean just that thing that just got me through so much in detroit and plus slum village i don't care about any of these other producers out here the greatest you ask anyone who understands hip-hop the legacy of hip-hop right in the same way that quincy jones is a legacy producer is jay dilla dilla big fact dilla is the greatest hip hop producer of all time. Swiss Man, beats. To, I
0: had to jump in here. I'm taking the screen off this guy. Yo, listen, I don't want I don't want to not give Dylan his props, bro. But listen, you hey there there are there are some really dope ass producers that have come into the game. Nah. And and so and so you 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 mean to tell me you we we're not gonna talk about we not
1: gonna talk about Dr.
0: Dre and his impact on hip. hop We can talk
1: about him, but Dre got- will te- wait wait, but Dre and other producers will tell you how Dilla influenced their art, and they will say t- they have said Dilla was an artist, like Dilla would paint a picture when he produced, and and again, Dre's in my top five. Like, I ain't taking nothing away from Dre. We're not talking right. about premiere. Premier ain't, ain't, ain't Dilla, man. Like, <laughs>
0: we're we not talking about Mandy Fresh. Do you know what Mandy Fresh? I do. Yo, cash money for the 992,000
1: that was ever living 99. your soul, bro.
2: Are you kidding me? What? <laughs>
1: Wait a minute. You <laughs> asked you for funny? my list and I gave you, my you're list. You're right, you're right, you're right.
0: I do this to you a lot. My bad.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm being hey. browbeaten here for my
2: opinion. H so listen but that's why five is hard I think we really need 10 I'm gonna come in on my next to the last one with my Soror, the MC light um light is a rock cha 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 I think that she was amazing I loved her lyrics I can listen to it now and instantly be like there and ready so I'm gonna say MC light as my next one and my last one I'm not gonna say whoa, it whoa, 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 I to the last one. Oh I I know I'm just saying I I I bet people know because it's the oh. one that I adore, but right. go ahead. MC Light. All right. So, so all right, you <laughs> right, yeah. Jump in the game. All right? Um right. so uh my four
0: is going to be Nas, right? Like I feel like Nas has done so much for the culture in terms of just really? like it's like what? And not listen, I know I know, literally,
2: I know. Nas.
0: I just I was never man. Woo! All right. Uh doc. Who's your five? Because that's the oh village threw me off. My oh man. <laughs> I
1: can't
2: can't even live.
1: Um my number five in a shout out to, to Dr. Harrison and Music is a mood for moments where I was just like, man, this is some bullshit. Um shout out to this cat came up the hard way in the Detroit hip hop underground scene. Right? And he and if you listen to the game, he says there's a reason why nobody, nobody wants to battle Eminem.
0: Okay. Oh, okay. Um, okay. All right. Uh uh, I don't I don't know if that's Coach of Voltron, but we'll go
2: with it. Um <laughs> <laughs> <Culture>. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> what? It's your turn, you get the next one.
0: Nah, you second to the last. This
2: is your fifth. So, um, my 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 fifth is going to be. I wish that you could see Thug Life. It's going to be Tupac. Okay. I can't deny it. Yeah. I'm a rider. You don't want to with me. Yeah, with yeah. Police bucking at me. Yeah, none to G. Yeah. So yeah. it's Tupac all day. Okay, I got yeah. it. Got his tape, coffee table book over there on the coffee table. It's yeah. Pop.
0: All right, cool. Hey, I, I respect it. I appreciate it or whatever. However, right?
2: it's not in your top five.
0: <laughs> no, no, no. Pac, Pac, Pac is in my top five, but I don't want to repeat folks more now, you know? And okay. so, pop, yo, he's definitely in my, in my regular top five. But So, so my top five since this guy says Slum Village, I feel like I can go all on the edge. Uh <laughs> <laughs> <they like> so. <laughs> I don't know. I'm from the South. And so, my fifth is going to be Luke Skywalker. Right? And so, what? Miami, Miami base, Miami base is, okay. is Miami base is making a comeback. Plus, the other day I was in, I was in Fort Lauderdale, and I don't know if it was him or not, but I really think that it was him. I saw him in, in the uh the Delta Lounge on the no, no, he was he wasn't flying. I saw him on the luxury side of the Sawgrass Mill Outlets over near uh the uh the Montclair store. I thought it was him. Could have been him. Think it was him, but even if it wasn't him, shout out Luke and uh Miami Base is making a comeback. I had to
2: do that because,
0: listen, this guy said Slum Village, so I had to.
2: <laughs> I don't know that that's like rap. I mean, that's why I think if we were doing influences for the culture, yeah, like we being to <laughs> rap. Oh, Just
0: boy. Don't
2: stop, get it, get it. Actually, a lyric. I mean, I like... guess. You, listen, <laughs> I mean that's into, like
0: into, I don't know yo, you, you, listen y'all have a y'all have a, a party walk that is a, a fashion on on the doo doo brown uh, a beat and I used to go to campus center parties prior to pledging just to see the SG Rose do that party walk right
2: <laughs> because I
0: was just like like yo this is kind of hard right here yo like I was,
2: no, I was that's not rap that's not the rap li- the lyrics we missed a lot of people. I don't think five is fair. I think we should have just tried yeah. to do ten because it's a I'm lot. i put people.
1: mine out there, even though we ain't supposed to. Spice One and Scarface on my list.
2: Spice One,
1: hmm. Spice One, Scarface.
0: Scarface yes, I it's would probably put put,
1: definitely. I, I want to put MC8 over Spice One. Okay, I could do that. Yeah. I, I can't okay. put him over. I always tell people like Scarface. When I listen to Scarface, Scarface even now. Yeah. The way in which he told a story.
0: Yes, 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 of yes Darkness. Yes.
1: Yeah. To light. Yeah. And the human condition, in particular yeah. for black people. Yeah. Is yeah, yeah. one where I would sit there and be like, "Yo, yeah. this is some dark stuff," but like, truth. And the reality. story of yeah. redemption that always came through his lyrics
2: mm-hmm.
1: always spoke to me. Always, yeah. like and I, God. I love Scarface.
2: Great. Uh, we didn't yeah. talk about Snoop either. I really, I, mean, so, I like Snoop.
0: We didn't talk about um. We didn't talk about any of the new generation because if I ask my son what his top five is, it's gonna look totally different from mine.
2: They uh, all have Yeah, this is little baby he, baby, may, baby.
0: he may say little baby. He may say little Uzi Vert. He may
1: say something. So, <laughs> something. Yeah, this, he may say Gunna. He may the randomly like the randomly ignorant hip hop is not my jam. Like. And we was pushing P tonight. That was the title of this episode. I so, mean, yeah. I mean,
2: clips, clips got something too. Nobody say Kanye for sheezy. Uh, he
0: gets no. no love. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch that documentary though.
2: I think no. if you had asked me before the old Correct. Kanye, I would have absolutely said old Kanye. Well, I would have put old, him old, in old Kanye in after the last the college, thing. college, uh, college I think no. even heartbreaks in eight oh eight was great. A lot on, yeah. I like that one too. Offline, all right, (laughs) folks.
0: You've been listening to to another episode of Three Times Dope Podcast. We will see you next week. Same time, same place. Peace.